Pastor Katie. With everything we, we do here at Pinehurst United Methodist Church, we, we try to make sure that it's meaningful. Not just our worship services, but our missional endeavors, our teaching, everything that we do, we intend for it to be meaningful. And so that is why this Lent season we are doing a sermon series entitled, Give Up Something Bad for Lent. The idea behind it is that for many Christians during the season of Lent, things are, are let go of, they give up certain things as a practice of discipline. These things are oftentimes things like chocolate or carbs or wine. Kind of sounds like a New Year's resolution, doesn't it? How are those working out for you? You see, the idea is that because we typically don't do well with the resolutions and, and the giving up of chocolate really doesn't do anything for us, we need to focus instead on giving up something that is a contaminant to our spirit. So that's why these next several weeks throughout Lent, we're going to talk about giving up bad things. Things like bitterness and resentment. Apathy, a lack of gratitude, self-centeredness, things like that. And the hope is, is that through uh, trying to give up those bad things, the season of Lent will truly be one that is more meaningful for us. Because Lent is a journey to the cross. And along the way, for the journey and for Easter to be more meaningful, some things inside of us need to die. So that's why we have this sermon series, Give Up Something Bad for Lent. And our first messages on bitterness and resentment. And we go to the story of the parable, the parable of the prodigal and his brother. It's found in Luke's gospel, chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. Then Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had, and he traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in desolate living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went, and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to the fields to feed his pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am, dying of hunger. I will get up, and I will go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off, and he went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him, and he was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to the father, 
Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached, and, and approached the house, he heard the music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on, and he replied, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he got himself back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, Listen, for all these years, I've been working like a slave for you, and I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never even given me a young goat so that I may celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him? Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? God, we pray that whatever happens next, we encounter you. That is our prayer, Lord, not just for this next moment, but for all moments. And in this moment, we ask that your preacher be nothing more than just a vessel. Amen. There was a man who had two dogs. The one dog had been around for a while, a part of the family for 10 years. He was a well-trained good boy. The other dog was a new addition to the family. He was adopted into the fold against the man's better judgment. In an ultimate moment of weakness, the man said yes to the dog so one of the family he became. The two dogs got along well really quickly. The family loved the newly adopted dog, and the newly adopted dog loved the family. The cats didn't care too much for the dog, though. They had their reasons. One day it was discovered that the new dog had a bit of a chewing problem. Part of it is his breed. Part of it is his age, under two. Part of it was his separation anxiety. You see, as a dog surrendered to the pound, you can understand why he doesn't like, he doesn't like it when his family leaves the house. He had his reasons. First, there were some shoes. 
then it was a power cord. Multiple household decorations. And then eventually, a three foot by three foot section of the man's beloved leather sectional recliner. Everybody say hi to Otis. During all of this, a critical mistake was made by the man, other than the mistake of not putting the dog in the crate. You see, a heavy-duty chew toy was purchased. Treats could be stuffed inside of the heavy-duty chew toy that would keep the dog occupied for hours. A brilliant idea, no doubt, but still an error was made. Because when the new chew toy was presented to the new dog, the old dog was offended. His eyes and his posture said, listen, for all these years I have been a good boy for you. I have never disobeyed your command. Well, I occasionally get into the trash, but... I have never devoured your property. And you've never given me a chew toy filled with treats so that I can celebrate with my friends, the cats. But when this new dog chews the shoes, the power cords, and the decorative gnomes, you get him a toy. The dog does not understand the need for a celebration when one who is lost and has no home finds a home. But we understand it, right? We understand that part of the story. When what is lost and is found, we should celebrate. But we also understand how the other brother felt. We understand how the not prodigal brother felt. We understand the bitterness and the resentment that boiled up in him. Where's my chew toy? Where's my party? I've been here and been good the whole time. We know what bitterness and resentment feel like. We understand. But what we have a harder time understanding is the ways in which bitterness and resentment contaminate our spirits and poison our lives. Just like the not-so-wayward son in Jesus' parable or the dog in my real-life story-turned-parable, we are prone to bitterness and resentment, and it's bad for us. It's bad for us. If we are to give up something bad for Lent, forget chocolate. Why not bitterness, resentment, unnecessary ongoing animosity? Look, I know the hardest part of being human is dealing with other humans. Without even looking for conflict, 
Somehow, because you are you and I am me, conflict happens. We end up being faced with long lists of grievances and grudges, broken relationships. Sometimes we find ourselves like the prodigal. We're given a new opportunity in life, only to discover that our opportunity is someone else's perceived defeat. Then other times in life, like the other bitter brother, we stand by and watch as folks are celebrated that we are not cheering for, for whatever the reason. And all the while, where such bitterness and resentment and animosity exist, God, like a loving parent trying to navigate a dispute among siblings, sighs and says, there are more important things to concern your spirit with. You are better than this. You are loved. Everything else is going to be okay. Just let it go. Getting along with other humans is the hardest part of being human. That does not mean that God does not want us to be in right relationship with the rest of humanity. Even your messed up brother. And if right relationship is not possible, because sometimes it's not. Sometimes relationships cannot be mended. And in those cases, God places a tremendous emphasis on forgiveness. A tremendous emphasis on forgiveness. We need that forgiveness. Not only do we need to be forgiving, we need to be forgiven. And one reason why is because bitterness and resentment are sin. It's sin. Adam and Eve made it so. You better believe Adam and Eve made it so. Right after the episode where uh, they eat the fruit that they're not supposed to eat and being confronted by God, you better believe Adam stormed off into his man cave. Literally. And he says, I cannot believe that this woman has brought such woe on me. You better believe that happened. It was sin. Bitterness, sin. And you better believe that as Adam stormed off into his man cave, Eve found herself stitching up a new fig leaf outfit and saying, how dare that man put all the blame on me. If it were an option, I would have him go stay at his mother's house for a bit. I'm glad some of you got it. It's bitterness, and it's sin. And like all sin, bitterness does a great damage to us. 
like all sin, bitterness and resentment do great damage, not just to us, but to all those around us. I once heard uh, resentment described in the not-so-sanitary terms of it being like spitting into a fan. You're the only person who feels it. But I don't think that's the case. Even if you're not in close proximity or ongoing relationship with the party that you had the resentment with, so long as that resentment resides in you, you cannot be holy or holy yourself. So long as your spirit is contaminated by a resentment for another person, negativity is going to flow out of you in one way or the other. The person that you have the resentment toward, they may not feel what you are spewing into the fan, but those who are around you, those you are in relationship with, they will be affected by it. They cannot help but to be affected by it. If your spirit is contaminated by something like bitterness, then those you love the most are affected by it as well. And again, I'm not saying that you have to be in right relationship with everybody that you've fallen out of right relationship with. I'm not saying you have to show up at their birthday party and pretend that you're glad to be there. You don't have to go to the housewarming and bring a gift. But I am saying that if there is a grudge or a grievance or some lingering ill will that causes your spirit to get angry, you need to let that go. Somehow, if you got a grudge or a grievance or some lingering ill will, you got to let it go. It's harmful for your spirit. It's harmful to those around you. It's what God wants you to do. Let the bitterness go. It's sin. There are more important things to concern your spirit with. You are better than this. Let it go. If you have any grudges or grievances or ill will, before you go to bed tonight, let's try to start the process of letting it go. If for no other reason, do it because God has already forgiven you. With all of your prodigalness, with all of your bitterness, God has forgiven you. God has no ill will toward you, even though God has every reason and right to have it. And knowing that God has no ill will towards you, knowing that, that God has forgiven you for all your prodigalness and all your bitterness, God expects you to respond to that grace by providing a little grace of your own to others. So like a loving parent, Embracing a wayward child, God has forgiven you. 
So this Lent, give up something bad in response to what God has done for you. Give up bitterness and resentment. God will be pleased. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.